mom who knows nada. My name is Brianna, and this is the Mama Knows Nada podcast. Today, I have a guest who I randomly met at a fun little event in St. Augustine, who also happens to be an indie author. Um, and she's also getting into psychotherapy, but we're going to save that topic for another day and talk about her book, Sully the Raccoon, and what inspired her to write this charming little story about a boy who will not take off his raccoon Halloween costume. Um, I, this story really spoke to me um, as just like a mom and trying to have, raise an inclusive son. Um, so tell us, Ariel, um, thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about your book and why you decided to write it. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. And um, I love how we met as well uh, at our fun little event and just was meant to be. So I'm really glad I'm to be that. on here with you. Yeah. Um, why did I decide to write it? For a couple of reasons, I guess. So Sully is my second born. He is 12 now, almost 13. Oh, but when he was in elementary school, he would be in the like special needs classroom, which I know it wasn't called that, but just for sake of ease of explaining, he'd be in like an ESC mm -hmm. classroom. And he would spend part of his day with his typical peers. So he would be also assigned like a gen ed teacher. Mm -hmm. So he was always like that kid, you know? I mean, he wasn't there all the time. He came sometimes, like, and nobody explains that to the other kids. Why is this kid in here sometimes? Uh, I just don't feel like anybody said, like, this is why. Uh -huh. So every year I started just coming and introducing myself and Sully to his typical peers in his gen ed classroom. Mm. And I started telling stories about him to make it, the kids feel more comfortable. And then I started writing them down. <laughs> and then I start, and they're really, they're real stories, but I would share them with the kids and then I'd allow them to ask questions. And then it just sort of morphed itself into this little book uh -huh. that, um, that we have today. And I wanted, I wanted kids to feel comfortable if they have a kid in their classroom, yeah. like Sully with IDD or autism spectrum disorder or whatever it, is, it may be. Yeah. I think that's so important. And um, I actually started volunteering. The organization we met through is Ability Tree First Coast. And I just started volunteering um, because I thought it was important to understand a community that I might not know about, you know, like, and how can I rate, if I want my son to be inclusive of all people, how do I teach him to be inclusive if I don't really know what that means? You know what I mean? Like that, um, we, sure. I wasn't supposed to have kids. I said that a lot in this podcast. So he was like a beautiful little blessing and he's a healthy, happy little boy. And he's so kind and he's so sweet. But when he comes across a different individual who might just do things differently or interact with the world differently, I think it's really important for him to be an ally and an advocate instead of a threat or, you know, part of like, I want him to bring a kind of peace to the world. You know, of course I can't make him do that. This is every parent's aspiration, I feel like. But if I can give him the tools to engage with people who are differently abled, then I feel like I should do that. You know, people all over the world, he's going to meet all kinds of different people. If he can approach everybody with empathy and kindness, well, what kind of world could we have? You know? Uh, that's why I wrote the book. So that's why this story was important for you to share. I'm assuming like this kid, Absolutely. he just sees the world differently and that's not, it's just different, you know, like 
there's some but i think you're way ahead of the mark i mean i don't know if i didn't have sullivan if i would be doing what you're doing so i'm very impressed with oh, that thank you. and i think it's really cool that you have that thought process of wanting to have an inclusive kid because i don't know if i had didn't have him if i would be that kind of mom you know that's a really i, I tell you if i was if i didn't have him i wouldn't be that kind of person i think when you have a kid, your eyes are opened up to so many different things you never had to think before. And I grew, I was born in like rural Pennsylvania. I grew up in Baltimore city. I thought, you know, I've lived all over. I've been like, you know, the only white woman at a table full of, you know, Latinos or Asians or like whatever, pick an ethnic group. And so there's just like an, like this montage of people, which is great. Um, but I never really understood some of certain struggles that I might not have had to experience. And I definitely didn't understand a struggle of a differently abled individual and how little things like, you know, wheelchair ramps or like accessibilities or, you know, you hear these some of these horrible news stories today that somebody is like nonverbal or, you know, deaf and there's like tragedies that happen because there's a misconception, you know, like some people they just don't hear you. Like literally they're deaf. They cannot hear you. Like they should not be reprimanded for that. Uh, and then especially like the autism spectrum in particular is so varying degrees and trying to be a little empathetic about that when I engage with people, uh, even as an adult and like giving that to my son, I, I just feel like it's, if you, if you know better, you do better. Somebody said that in a podcast yeah. and I'm like, I know that this is something that I know nothing about. I'm ignorant to let me try to educate myself at least mildly to make someone's life easier. So there's that. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I think, having, you know, having Sully did that for me, but having my first didn't do that for me. And so it's really cool that that did that for you. <laughs> Obviously as a parent with a child that is different, I'm grateful for your type of parenting. Oh, thank you. I mean, I think we're all superheroes in our own way. So I'm trying, trying for the greater good. So Sully's inspired you to write this book to just kind of like educate, open up a dialogue. Uh, you have two other children, if I remember correctly. Um, how have they all inspired you? Man. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Jax is my oldest. Uh, he'll be 15. He's like this totally rad, wise being, you know, he keeps me really steady. He's, it's really surprising, right? When you take care of this tiny, like fragile person and then they're innocent and then they grow up and then they're taller than you. And, but he's, he anchors me in this really wild way. I don't know if it's a first kid thing wow. or if it's just him and I, you know, it's just, it's really, um, I always say that my life really began or that I woke up when I had him Ooh, and that's true. Wow. That's powerful statement. Mm -hmm. Dang. That's <laughs> <laughs> Jax. He's really, he makes me better. Um, more honest, you know, I mean, I've figured out how strong I was when I had him. So that's my oldest and he's amazing creature. And then I had Sullivan and he inspires me all the time. Um, as in many ways, as we're talking about here, um, Frankie or Francis Lula is her full name, but we call her Frankie. I love it. My daughter's seven. Man, she is 
she's cool too in her own way they're all so different she's very raw mm. and very herself all the time so uh, she inspires me to be fully myself you know like say what i mean get what i want and um i want to show her how to wow. do that too as like a woman in the world cool. um she's wild and free i don't know she simultaneously like scares the shit out of me and then like impresses me all at the same time <laughs> We always say, we have like a running joke in our house that she's either going to be like an exotic dancer or the president. <laughs> we don't know. Scrap you. Maybe We're both. both. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, um, why not? You got to pay for college somehow, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, they're amazing. All three of them, they inspired me to follow my heart, go back to graduate school after 40. Um, Dang. Sully, yeah. Good for you. Uh, not fun. <laughs> not fun. Uh, Sully in inspires me to think long-term, mm -hmm. which I don't do. I like short-term. I like mm -hmm. now. And I have to save money for his whole life, not my whole life. So I have to think about the span of his life and how he will afford to live in this world. So I started buying like investment properties through because of the way he inspires me to think. Um, Dang. Man, I don't know. They've kept me married. We've <laughs> done a lot. There's a lot of inspiration there, those people. Isn't that crazy how like a kid will totally change you? Oh my God. Like my, I was not getting married and I definitely didn't want to live in the suburbs. <laughs> oh yeah i lived in new york when i met my husband and quickly was like pregnant moved to like a dirt road in the middle of the panhandle of florida and i was like at a party with jeremy piven like the weekend before you're like what am i doing <laughs> how did i get here like wait a minute this is 180 i ran away a couple times but he kept coming back again. <laughs> Love it. I love it. Hey, gotta know, gotta know your worth, man. Chase me. Chase me. <laughs> I think you are going to be very inspirational to Francis. There you go. Um, now, even though Sullivan operates in the world differently, how has he surprised you? Ooh, he's magic. He's just magic. Like he reads people, you know, so, so well. Like he, he can't, if he doesn't like somebody, we don't like them. Gosh. straight because it is like there is it's rare but when he meets somebody and he doesn't like them then they're not we're not hanging out with them he's so he can pick up like the most nuanced body language wow. or gesture it's so cool wow. um his love like he loves everybody we i mean he's just there's no gender to him there's no age mm. there's no what kind of clothes you're wearing like he doesn't care he's if he likes you has he has no it doesn't nothing matters except that he likes you you're nice to him he's gonna hug you and kiss you mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter nothing else matters so he's just full of love and i think the other thing that i was thinking about just now is he's very present oh that's a good thing that's... He has no no concept of time with his disability. So two days from now doesn't mean anything to him. He only lives now. Uh, that's a, I think that's something we could all learn. <laughs> How do you be that present all the time? That's incredible. I know I'm not. 
No, I'm not at all, but he makes me that way. Oh my goodness. Sounds like that. He doesn't look a cool kid. What has amazed you about all your children and the way they interact now, especially since they're older? How fucking terrible they are to each other. Is that allowed? Yes, Yes, you are. I love it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's fucking hard Mm. shit. And like, I have high schooler, a middle schooler, and an elementary school kid. Like, Jax and Francis are seven years apart. Sully and Frankie are five years, but Frankie's really his older brother because his developmental age is three or four. Mm. So she's now surpassing him in everything. It's like, our house is weird in that way. I love them, and they really, I do believe that they love each other. Mm. I do. But they're very difficult right now with the stages and abilities and ages. Oh, that makes a lot of sense because you got basically like a prepubescent boy or starting to go through puberty. One who's like in the, probably in the throes or again right there. Yep. And then a seven year old who's like a totally different ball game because it's a girl. <laughs> or- and birth order has something to do with that because Jax, my oldest, his expectation when I had a baby was like, mom's going to have a boy and he's going to be my, my buddy. And then that was a, that was, he was very, his expectations were shattered and I was taken away from him for almost two years. So then he, there's probably some resentment that he doesn't even know he Mm. has some subconscious things going on there. Frankie was born into this. This is totally normal for her. She doesn't carry what Jackson carries. Jax carries more. uh, There's something there. Mm -hmm. There's a little chip that he carries around. And now we were like, even when Jax was little and Sullivan was really starting to develop and we were still figuring out what was going on with him. I remember Jax, you know, having some really upset moments. Like I just want a normal brother and it hurts us, but I know it hurts him too to hear that. So, well, it's also tough because like, it's hard to explain that to a young kid. You know what I mean? Like there's only so much they can comprehend. He's two years older. So, you know, at three or four, he can only gauge so much information because it's only going to mean it's not going to mean anything to him. He doesn't the, the constructs of like they're trying to understand societal constructs and what different is versus normal versus whatever. And I'm putting quotes and all that because it's all relative terms. But um, so I could see where that would be very trying for a young kid, you know, and not to like be able to process that or really remember it. But it's just somewhere in there that. Interesting. So it's a really interesting um, point of view, actually. I never thought about that. And I know their interactions will change. Um, and I know that they all do care for one another. Um, but it's it's definitely like a shit show right now. <laughs> I always think I love when people say that because I feel like it's a shit show no matter what. Like you, if you can have one kid and it's like chaos, which is like all I can handle. Like, I don't know how other people have more kids. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's a lot. Uh, and that's my max capacity, mental and like emotional capacity. Like, I just can't. I think it's great that you know that. You're like, this is all I this is where I'm, this is it. <laughs> this is it. I don't care if you was a sibling. You have friends. Get, too bad. Get more friends. You got, go get them. I don't want any, not any more kids. Um, but yeah, so I just think it's like, you know, hopping on this call today. It's like this morning was chaos. And I'm like, how do people get three kids out the door? Like, <laughs> how do 
do you do it? I don't know. I can't get one out the door. So it's the wet hair. It's uh, my morning with chaos too. <laughs> ah, different kind of shit. I'm gonna make. It. I, think I'm gonna I know, make right? It. Different kind of shit show over here, but like, um. I would love to talk more about Sullivan in particular and how the misconceptions that you would like to address or talk about around differently abled individuals, especially someone like Sullivan. Yeah, um, I think number one, having a disability requires acceptance, adaptation Mm -hmm. and adaptation, not bravery and courage. And so much of that's put on people with disabilities Mm. oh that requires bravery and courage like sully doesn't want to be your you know statue or symbol for bravery and courage Mm. like and a lot of people with disabilities don't want to be that just want to be themselves right right so yeah it requires acceptance and adaptation i think is a better way to think of individuals that have all different types of differences rather than kind of brave and courageous um Segregation is not easier or better for individuals with disability. Mm. Like acceptance and adaptation into mainstream society is definitely more beneficial. Um, Still, our world is not ready for that piece of information. They really like Uh, the idea of segregation. Interesting. I've noticed like since I've been in school and how schools are set up more now, and maybe it's just where I'm from, I don't know. But when I was a kid, there was total and complete segregation, like, yes. And from like school bus pickup, everything to classrooms. And now I feel like depending on the case, and I could be wrong, the situation, somebody's ability or capabilities in the classroom, they come in and out. Like they might be with some peers who are all differently abled, but then like you're saying, they do have some uh, classes with like the regular gen general education. So is, is that newer? Yeah. Cause I'm not really familiar with it. It's better than it was in the eighties <laughs> for sure. Uh, but I still think it's not just like the school mm-hmm. system. It's not where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are models of schools all across the world and in this country where it's full inclusion for typical peers and individuals with disabilities. And those schools work really well. They work well for both sides, mm. not just individuals with disabilities. The people that are graduating from um, schools that are more inclusive and gen ed students are able to more fully integrate into the world as well because they were able to live in kind of, you know, I look at schools as like these little mini communities. That's our kids' communities. Then they learn how to graduate up into bigger communities as they grow up. They go to college, which is like a bigger community. And then they're actually in the world in their own community. But the school is their little community. So why would we segregate? Mm -hmm. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. If they have to learn to live with people with disabilities in the world, why would we not do that in school? Um, Sullivan's on a separate bus and he's fully capable of being on the regular bus, but ah, they won't do it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And like, I would just, I don't care if he can do keep up with math in sixth grade. Cause I don't care if he passes the fucking math test. I just want him to be happy yeah. and be around his friends and not be segregated. Amen. I think this, that's why I say for Declan too. It's like my biggest things of, is he kind? Like, is he thoughtful? Is he yeah. considerate? Like, 
Yeah, sure. Eventually, regardless of what happens, like he'll learn his numbers, his letters, like he'll be able to exist in the world. Like I don't use algebra too. <laughs> Nobody cares that I failed it. You know what I mean? So why does it matter? Like sometimes I think it's also why we put Jacqueline in a Montessori. Um, like give those kids some practical life skills that I can't teach them. <laughs> <laughs> for that or just not inclusive mm. they can't handle sullivan <sighs> i've tried to get him into montessori, montessori schools in the past because i thought it would be a nice a better learning yeah. environment for him in particular. Yeah. but they won't do any interesting i did not know that maybe like some you know I, they won't take idd certainly or nonverbal. That is, that's really good information i was unaware of that actually huh you'd think that <laughs> i feel like to me that kind of like is counterintuitive because Montessori, especially like that, the prime, like the, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh my God, it's not coming to me, but like that children's house or like the preschool style of Montessori is all about just like life skills, which is essential, like a differently able individual to learn and you can go at your own pace. So that kind of seems counterintuitive, but. And it's not, I can't say all, I have to correct that. Any that I've ever tried to get Sullivan into, I will say, has not been accepting uh i won't say all because i'm sure there's some montessori schools that are inclusive interesting huh huh hmm, fun facts over here i like a good fun fact okay let's talk a little bit more about your book so we got okay. Sully the raccoon are there any other books coming out or are there any books out that we could check out and what are they about thank you yeah i have a book called be your own rainbow Ooh. and that's out and that one is inspired by Frances, by my daughter. And like I was telling you, she's just very mm -hmm. real. And that's how she inspires me. And she had this moment where she was nervous about thunderstorms. And well, Sully the Raccoon took me years and years to mm. write. And Be Your Own Rainbow took me 15 minutes. So I loved when that happens. Like I, she did something and was talking in the back seat, and I just started thinking while I was driving about this story that was coming to mind. And my best girlfriend in Austin, she always, it's kind of like a silly statement, but she'll just tell people like, just be your own rainbow, just do your own thing, yeah. kind of. And so the two, Frankie and her, like just merged in my head, and then the story came out. And so that's out on Amazon. Um, I don't know if I'll do more. My husband said I could do two. <laughs> I have so many books written. Um, I just, it's a process. Yes, you totally. Know. The illustration is expensive, you know, and depending on how many books you sell, like if you're not going to make that back. Um, and I don't really have the time or the energy for publishing, promoting, I mean, promote, yeah, like self-promotion and stuff. That's a lot. Because I've been finishing school and all of that and starting private practice. So I just feel like I'm going to put those out in the world and let them do their thing for right now. And if I circle back to writing, then I do. But I'll never stop writing, but I just don't know how much more I'll publish. Gotcha. I get that, though. It's so hard. I have a 70% draft written of my second penny book, and it's just like... When is this going to be completed? And oh, do I want to put the money in to find, you know, having the editors and the proofreading and then the illustrator? And you're just like, uh, <laughs> uh, still, I'm still broke from making the first one. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the other thing too about indie authors is they kind of get a bad rap. Um, 
And some of them aren't good. Let's be real here. Some some writers are not great writers. I, not everything I write is great, you know? You just have good days and bad days, you know? And not everything I write is made for everybody. Let's be real here. Um, again, that's fine. But there are people out there who have kind of led the industry in a negative connotation. So when you actually say, you know, I actually spent money and went six months through an editing process and have 500 drafts of this thing, like, <laughs> you know, like give me a little credit. I'm not, you know, trying to say that I'm Shakespeare here and I can write it once and be good. <laughs> it's like, it's a process and it takes, it's a long time. So I feel you there. Um, Here's a really big and lofty open-ended question. How has motherhood changed you? <laughs> Man, motherhood changed my worldview. And then disability changed it even mm. more. But I guess I could say that for like every statement that I would make about how motherhood changed me is that disability changed even it more. more. Motherhood changed my relationship with myself mm. and then disability changed it even more. Dang. Um, my relationship with other mm. women. Yeah, I totally get that. I, I don't know how women are like at this point in time, like are catty or um, superficial. That doesn't make sense in my brain or like how they want to tear people down or get jealous, you know, cause we're all going through something, you know, just because my picket fence house looks nice on the outside doesn't mean it's not chaos on the inside, you know, like we all have good days and bad days. So I think that's a really profound statement to make. I don't know. I don't know why women just don't always want to build other women up personally. I don't know. I agree. I agree. I think I thought that would, especially when my kids were little, that women mom women friendships mm -hmm. were really difficult for mm -hmm. me i went on a lot of bad days you know <laughs> it's it's hard to find your community you know and you guys you have moved a couple times right like texas yeah, to, yeah. yeah. so restarting <laughs> those communities too is exhausting <laughs> yeah i've had to learn how to be really really intentional with my friendships yeah I can relate to that very, very much so. And sometimes you think that people are going to be there that aren't. And then you're surprised with who shows up and when. And you're like, oh, how about that? That's cool. Thank right. you for showing right. me my place. I appreciate that. Good and bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So true. So true. Um, I know it's been a long time since you've had a child like being born, but if you could just give like one piece of advice to new moms or moms who might be struggling, or, you know, even if it's more specific to a mom who's has a child who's differently abled, like what, what unsolicited advice would you give? I think my biggest thing uh, off the top of my head is uh, have to do or can't do. Mm. You have to bottle feed. You have to nurse. Like, get the fuck out of my house. You have to co-sleep. You have to sleep train. Like, I that drives me crazy. Absolutely crazy. The have to, yeah. you know, like, that just drives me nuts. Like, just shut up. Um, I think everyone has their own little thing mm -hmm. that they're going to do. 
I did. It was different for each kid of mm-hmm. mine, not let alone family. Like, so the have to or you know, like can't. Like you can never feed. I don't know whatever. Like Sullivan had to start eating food at a really really young age. Like like weirdly young. They had to start feeding him because he was starving to death Oof. when he was two, three months old. So he started having even like rice in his bottles, all different things just to try and yeah. get him some nutrients. And I remember um, I was making a bottle and some mom was like, you can't put rice here. He's too young. Like had this fit. I didn't even know her. And she was telling me what I could and couldn't do with my kid. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the kind of end of that is I think we should assume, especially as women, that everyone is doing, and my friend said this to me recently, we should assume that everyone's just doing the best that Mm -hmm. they can. And I don't think we do that Mm -hmm. enough. I like that. I like when people always assume that what worked for them works for other people. Like I always try to say, I did it this way. I don't know if that would work for you, but there's an idea for you. You know, I try to like, because no one wants someone telling them what to do. Like my husband would, and I would disagree with things and, and I'd be like, no, we got to do it this way. And he'd come back to me six months later and he'd be like, you're right. I was like, it's just my instinct with what this kid is and who he is and how he's operating in the world. And I'm watching this every day. Cause I stayed home with him for 18 months. Um, and you watch them develop, like, who am I to tell you what to do with your baby? <laughs> Especially when my kid's totally different than your kid, you know, like, yeah. Right. So I, I like that you said that. I think that we need to sometimes keep our mouth shut. I say that out loud because I'm saying it to myself, Mm. not like I haven't done it. Totally. You know, I'm not perfect Mm -hmm. and I've definitely butted in where I shouldn't, but I really try and check that. Yes. Because that one's really hard. It is so hard because I think sometimes like, especially we want to help people in general, not make the same mistakes that we did or have to go through all the hurdles. Like, you know, I tried like six or seven diaper diapers. So I found one that fit Declan. He didn't blow out of them. Like you want to share that. But the thing is the diapers that are right for my baby aren't going to be right for your baby. So I can tell you that, but I can't tell you that you need to use like the Pampers with honest or whatever. You're going to figure that out on your own. I'm just going to tell you that's a potential, you know, like, so I I, I like that though. It's like, you know, none of us is perfect. And I think a lot of times it comes from, generally speaking, it comes from a place of concern, but I think not so always. Too. I think people really want to mm-hmm. help. And I think that's why they say statements like you should do mm-hmm. this or you can't do that. But I think as moms, especially, we need to watch those statements with one yeah, another. That's really good. That's a good little note there. Is there anything else you care to share with us about your life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think um, new mom stuff. Like I, I love seeing all this postnatal care mm. that's starting to happen. Like I didn't have any of that. No one talked to me about like pelvic floor and this and that. I think it's so cool that that's like becoming more talked mm. about. And I just, I want to just like encourage people to, to seek out help in that area, like rest your body. I was praised. I remember for getting up and like going, right? Like I had my kid and I'm grocery shopping two days later. Then everyone was like, wow. And I was like, yeah, I'm amazing. Superwoman. 
I was an asshole. I was an amazing superwoman. I should have been laying in bed, like with my kid resting, you know, uh, but it's being more talked about now. And I think that's really cool that everyone's talking about that. So that's just one of the ways that I see the world moving forward in the right direction. And I really like uh, that. That's a really good note too. I mean, I, I think that it's so important that we do talk about that stuff because I think yeah. there is still a little bit of societal pressure to do everything, you know, like, I mean, Mike, Mike, I'm a writer. I work from home, right? I cannot write, record a podcast and edit a book and clean my house and get my kid to school and make his lunch and do the laundry and, you know, clean the toilets, like all, this. all the things. And I only have one kid. So what are people who have like three little ones or, you know, teenagers are like, I, it's just, you can't do it all. And I think sometimes where there's so much pressure for us to do it all, but you know what? Maybe there should be more pressure to sit still. Like I, yeah. I wish I would have sat still longer with Jacqueline, but I was so, I don't know, overwhelmed thinking like what you're, like what you're saying. Like I had to go out and do it. Like, no, I didn't. And I probably like you, I shouldn't have. Like get back, get going. Yeah. Again. But it's, I do agree with you that there's a nice shift. And that's one of the things like I hope to provide with this podcast is like insights from moms of different perspectives. But then like, you know, you bring in the doula, you bring in the chiropractor, you bring in the pelvic floor therapist and all that stuff, because all of these such things that you know, a woman, a woman's body is, has to heal from, and there's different ways of going about the healing process. It doesn't need to be necessarily with an OBGYN not that there's not, they aren't great, but I think that there's so much more out there. And I think if we keep pushing the conversation forward about the things we didn't have, or we didn't know about that we wish we would have, like for me personally, I wish I would have known certain things. And in a productive way, can I give that to women? Like, that's what I want to do. Like you have options. It might take a, a little bit more time and effort to, to sift through them all to find the right thing for you, but don't feel pressured into getting up two days after your, you give birth, you know, don't feel pressured into that OB, like giving you an aperture. Don't feel pressured. Like it's your choice. Here's your rainbow of beautiful colors to pick from. So your own yeah. yeah damn it circled back didn't even try that fucking right and on that note <laughs> be your own goddamn rainbow okay wait ladies you can do it i love it all right ariel ariel hobbs you can find her book sully the raccoon and be your own rainbow on amazon um you can also find my book positively penelope but you should really check out this one too um it's really cute like i wish i i should have read it but i'm not going to um <laughs> available on Amazon. It's really, really sweet story. Ariel Hobbs, thank you so much for spending some of your day with us. I really appreciate it. And we're going to bring Ariel back, I think, in the new year for some therapist talk because that's what she's going to grad school for. So that'll be fun. So stay tuned. And until next time, have fun learning all the things you didn't know you needed to know. 